You were doing the early bird special and you didn't I was, know it. Me eating at 10 o'clock was like, <laughs> it was the blue hair crowd at 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> Hey, David. Hey, Amy. How are you doing this week? I'm doing okay. How are you doing? Well, I'm encouraged that despite everything, mm-hmm. despite that it still feels like the world's on fire. Literally, in some places, is on fire. Yeah, that at least travel is happening again, despite yeah. the massive hurdles involved in traveling. Yes, although you traveled, as we know, you traveled to London, as we talked yes. about. Before in another podcast, and but and caught COVID, and it was totally worth it. <laughs> <laughs> and we canceled our trip to London and to Paris, and it was the week where they had the 106 degree mm. temperatures, and mm-hmm. everyone was losing their luggage. So I was kind of glad about that, but it would have <laughs> been my their luggage and their minds. Yeah, it, it would have been my 62nd birthday, and it would have been the first time we had traveled on my birthday in about five years. But uh, alas, yeah. it will be next year. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think when you're not traveling, mm-hmm. you can still remember yeah. past travels and look at photos. And I wanted to talk to you actually about some of your travels today mm-hmm. uh, because you are an expert on a place that a lot of people have fallen in love with, particularly in recent years as the go to European travel destination. Yes. That being Portugal. Portugal and Lisbon and Porto, absolutely. And it's interesting you say about looking at photographs because on our TV set, you haven't been here to the house yet, but on our TV, we have maybe like 200 photographs and Mm. it does a slideshow. And so when you come over, if I had any photographs of you, we also put it up there, but there's so many of Portugal and of Lisbon and of Porto and the Azores. So I get so what's called, in Portugal, it's called saudade. A tenu saudade, which means I have this, it's it's a very undefinable, undefinable, indefinable. Indefinable. Indefinable, not be able to be defined word of this incredible longing for something. Yes. I have saudade of Lisbon. I miss it very much. Yeah. I just put a picture I took in the Cotswolds of these like rolling poppy fields, Mm. like out of the Wizard of Oz, um, except British, (laughs) Um, on my phone. And every time I pick up my phone, I do, I feel the longing. I'm reading mystery books that are set in the Cotswolds just because my (laughs) brain so desperately wants to be be back back there. I want to hear more because mm-hmm. I actually have not traveled in Portugal. And this is just a vein of knowledge you have that I have not tapped. Mm-hmm. And I think people will be interested in it. So you lived in Portugal, right? Yeah, for the better part of 2007, I lived in Portugal, in Lisbon specifically, right? You don't know where it is, but the Say Cathedral, which is the big, beautiful, beautiful cathedral, mm. and the Electrocouche. I never can pronounce that. Electrocouge. The trams and trolleys go right by Uh, it. And it went right by my apartment. And I had, believe it or not, I had a top floor apartment that had a balcony and a roof terrace. Oh my God. So I know it was during a time where they just couldn't get anyone to rent there. And I just got it at the right time. Uh, And I could see out over the water. I could see out over the roof of the church. And what was wonderful is there's music called Fadu, which is the very soulful kind of very longing kind of music. It's not my favorite, but what was so magical is there was a guy 
beneath my apartment who had a little kiosky kind of store and he mm-hmm. played it all day long. So you'd hear mm. the trolleys rattle by, you'd hear Amalia Rodriguez, I never can pronounce her name either, with these very soulful, you know, Oy, I miss you, I lost you, or are you? You died at sea, come <laughs> back, all this stuff. And it just... It really was a magical time, and it was sad for me because the one was in the States and I was there alone. Right. So, you know, when you it related. was- related. Yeah, when it was sunset, I'd go up and I'd grab onto the, I was so dramatic, I'd grab onto the railings and I'd look <laughs> west as the sunset, and I'm, I was thinking, what was he doing all the way over there? So it was, it was kind <laughs> of fun, very dramatic. Was there any, like, rending of garments during these little episodes of yours? <laughs> no, I didn't rend garments, but I did fall down one time and rip my pants, is that count? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I have to tell you, Amy, if you go, I will, I'll go with you. As a matter of fact, yes. there are so many friends of mine that want me to lead a tour. I think we're now up to eight or 10. You are more than welcome to join us because there is this, oh, I got to get in goosebumps. There's this magical glow to the city. I can't explain it. Yeah. It, it, it glows from the inside because of just where it's situated. You know, it has five hills. Lisbon has five hills, Mm -hmm. like Rome. And just the way the sun plays off of the roofs and it just has this incredible glow. So it was a very romantic time for me going there. (laughs) Solo romance. Um, I'm jealous Did you just say solo romance? Did you just say solo yes, romance? Yes, I said, you, you were alone. <laughs> I, was, I still felt romantic. No, there's capital R romantic, which I very much relate to. This was little r. Wait, is, it, is capital R the... I always think of like capital R as like the romantic poets and then little r romance is like romance between two people. Oh. But then, maybe I have that backwards. I don't know. Then I'm even below a little r because it was just me by myself. <laughs> I don't know what could be smaller than little r. Although you were we, connecting with the big capital R in your I own was. way. Like you were, yeah, you were tapping, yeah. Um, so I'm jealous because I've never had that experience of being in a... Uh, another country for more than, you know, I mean, I'm so grateful to have traveled at all, but to have seen seasons pass in another place and to really settle in and get into a day-to-day rhythm, Mm -hmm. that is such an amazing experience. It's one I hope to have down the road, but Mm -hmm. hasn't happened yet. You get to see the rhythm of a place. You get to see the rhythm of the people. You get to recognize people. Yeah. So I would always say hello to the guy who played the music. And then just up the street was this little bakery that sold the orange olive oil cake, which is in my yeah. cookbook. It's based upon what they did. It wasn't exactly the same, but I'd go in there every day and I go to the markets every day. So it was really, it, yeah, it was really special. It was an incredibly special time. Wow. So just pulling back a little bit, mm-hmm. I want to go on a trip. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking Europe. Why choose Portugal as opposed to, you know, I don't know, France? France or Italy. Yeah, Italy. I think with Portugal, it's still very undiscovered. So many people don't know it, even though it's a very, very old country. And a lot of traditions are still there because it hasn't really been too developed. Now, there's Mm -hmm. a lot of tourists coming in now, but you get a sense of connection, I think, when you go to Portugal, because when I think of France, I think of Italy, I think of other countries like Germany or something, their worlds remained there. 
They were of the continent, where with Portugal, so much of their life and their world was around the entire globe. Mm-hmm. They're all navigators and sailors, so there's the connection to South America with Brazil and to South Africa and to China and to other places. So to me, it's always been a, a jumping off point for history. And it's just a very beautiful country because in a small little country that's about the size of Georgia, maybe Illinois, it has so many microclimates. You would not mm. think that. You can go from really gorgeous, beautiful beaches, travel four and a half to five hours, and you're in the mountains where they have all of these grapes for port wine. Mm. And, right. and from east to west, you go from these very arid areas to the very rocky Atlantic coast. So it has so much to offer in such a small area. So in the history of Portugal, obviously there was exploration of the entire world. Mm -hmm. How is that reflected in the cuisine you find in Portugal today? Well, what's interesting is a lot of those cultures and cuisines are now in Portugal. So there was that initial discovery going outward, and now it's come inward. And so it's not unusual to walk down the streets and smell wonderful grilled sardines, which is so Portuguese. And then you smell and you see foods from restaurants where the owners are from Guinea-Bissau or from Angola or Timor or Mozambique. So there's a real Brazil, because of course that's Mm -hmm. a huge influence now in Portuguese cuisine. So it's amazing to see that. It's become very international for a very small country. It's very international. Yeah. And what you're not seeing so much of now is the French influence. Because the French influence was huge at one time. You don't really see that anymore. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you've traveled back to Portugal after your book was published. Oh, yeah, So you were there in 2007 for like a full year. Yep. You've been back. So so how have you seen it change since then? It's grown exponentially. Luckily, I'm not seeing a lot of growth in the city of Lisbon, like downtown Lisbon, because that's really where Mm -hmm. I was always based. But I'm just seeing more and more people going there. But what you see is this incredible creativity in cuisine. And you see these riffs on classic Portuguese cuisine. You see there's a greater pride in the city. It's cleaning up. They're repairing it. And it just felt so different when I was back. I think the most recently I was back in 2018, maybe. And it was so different. And I brought friends with me. We had a great time. It was just, I felt like I was discovering almost a new city Mm -hmm. because I had been there many times. Okay, so I I want to plan a trip to Portugal. Mm -hmm. And uh, let's say I don't have you to travel with. So can you help me come up with an itinerary? These are the like places you need to go. You have have 10 days. Okay, 10 days. So definitely start in Lisbon because everything begins and ends in Lisbon. So I would start Mm -hmm. my trip in Lisbon and I would explore that area. I would explore, for instance, there's Belém, which is a trolley away. And that's where all of the pastéis de natas come from, those Mm. marvelous... Pastage de Belém, and that's that wonderful cream custard cup with the very crispy, crunchy outside and the custardy middle. You know, I would go there. There's the wonderful uh, monastery of Geronimos. You can see that. And then other places around there. There's Sintra, which have these beautiful castles, and also Cascais, which is right there on the water. And these are all within half hour. And then I would go south. I would go to Évora, which is a UNESCO site. Mm. And it's a walled city and it's small and it's beautiful and it has that glow of that beautiful stone. And it's just, 
oh, it's just marvelous and it's so peaceful and quiet. And then one of our favorite regions is the Alentejo. The Alentejo is that swath of land that is south of Lisbon that goes from east to west. They call it the breadbasket of Portugal. It's very mm -hmm. arid in the summer, but in the spring, if you go in the spring, you'll see these beautiful wildflowers and all of these cork trees in bloom. And there's olive trees and there's almond trees. And it's just absolutely gorgeous. Mm -hmm. And the food is simple and of the earth. And you'll get a dish, let's say, that is called a sorda, the alentejana. And what that is, is a bread soup that's made with herbs that have been all pureed and eggs that are cracked into it. And it's simple and it's divine. It's just a very simple bread soup. And then if you like the water, I would say go all the way down to the Algarve. The Algarve tends to be much more touristy, but you do have some gorgeous beaches. Mm -hmm. And there's a little town called Teveda, which mm -hmm. is way east and it's so cute it makes your eyes hurt it's just so <laughs> cute and you got great great seafood and then going up north i mean honestly i'm giving you the whole country aren't i you go up north and you go to the porto region and of course porto is amazing right. for port wine and then go up to the duro which is the duro which is where all of the wine comes from all of the grapes mm -hmm. come from and then the other area that i like is called the minu it's this marvelous small region up north, and it's where caldo verde comes from, which is the national soup, quote unquote, of Portugal, and with all the kale. And I mean, I would try to hit those regions. And you, believe it or not, you can do that in 10 days or so. That's what's mm -hmm. so marvelous about this country. It's totally drivable. Right. You know, you have to yeah. fly everywhere. It's totally drivable. Okay, so I'm hearing that the cuisine across the country, mm -hmm. there's a rusticity, there's a simplicity, there's like that attitude of take perfect ingredients and don't mess them up, just yeah, let very them shine. Much. What are the regional variations? We were talking about caldeverd from the north mm -hmm. and that I know, for example, in Italy, you've got, you know, south of Rome, it's mostly olive oil. And then in the north, you're cooking with butter. And, mm -hmm. You know, it's very different. And so how do we see the food changing by region? You don't see a lot of beef actually in mm -hmm. the mainland. I mean, they do have beef for sure, but it's not very hospitable for cows there. So you see your cheeses tend to be very much sheep and goat mm. throughout the entire my, country. My favorite kinds of cheese. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you'll get seafood everywhere because it's a narrow country. So you get seafood everywhere. But up north is you get it's cooler temperatures. And so there's a lot of dishes in what's called folage, which are breads that are stuffed with cheeses and meats. <gasps> and it's just, it really is marvelous. And that's more up north. Down uh -huh. south, when you're closer to the water, it gets a little bit lighter. It's hotter. You'll mm -hmm. see gazpachos down there. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting, when I had it, it was a typical red gazpacho, but they put one ice cube in the soup. Mm. But there's also white gazpacho, which I have in my cookbook that I got from a chef friend of mine. It's a white gazpacho with a crab meat salad, mm. little ball in the middle, which right. is absolutely marvelous. And of course, you'll get, for instance, down south, you'll get piri piri chicken. Mm -hmm. Why down there? I do not know, but you get it more down there than you do up north. So those are some of the variations. And then in the middle area where there's the alentejo, it's very... I'd say herbaceous. That's a, the only way I can say it. There's a lot that they do with herbs. Mm -hmm. And also, so the middle part or below Lisbon where they have what's called the bread basket, the alentejo, I call it herbaceous. They do a lot with herbs. They make the soups with herbs. There's all these wonderful soups and dishes made with herbs. And 
I don't want to say it's less meat, but it was a very poor area, so you didn't have it as much. So they mm-hmm. were always relying upon what was there. But they have this dish called porco alentejano. Now, I know you've had it. It's the pork and clams, mm-hmm. the yes. Portuguese pork and clams, which is something that's almost, I want to say almost unique to Portugal, but not quite. The combination of pork and clams together. Mm-hmm. And that's something that you'll see very much in that region too. Now that's going through it everywhere, but that's where to get it. That's where it really came from. Okay. All right. So I want to go back to Lisbon. Mm. Um, tell me, because I, I know from friends who traveled there, Lisbon has a really hot nightlife. Yes. These people are animals. <laughs> I have never been able to keep up with them. I always thought I'd be happy to go out at dinner at 10 o'clock and I would do it. We would finish at 12 and we're like, there's nobody around. And apparently they start lining up at midnight, one o'clock in the morning, <laughs> two o'clock in the morning. I could you were, never. You were doing the early bird special and you didn't know I it. was. Me eating at 10 o'clock was like my mother or my grandmother going to a restaurant <laughs> at four, five in the afternoon. <laughs> That's what that was. It was the blue hair crowd at 10 o'clock at night. So I never really partook because it was just really way too late for me. But I, there are some exquisite restaurants there and there are just some amazing nightclubs and places that these kids go. It's, it's outrageously fabulous. Okay, so now tell me where to eat in, okay. in Lisbon and who are the hot young chefs and what are the like amazing established restaurants that you have to go to? Okay, so that you cannot laugh at me, you promise? Yeah. All right. They have something called Time Out Market Lisboa. Right, now, those are the food halls, right. right? I've never experienced them because I only knew Time Out as Time Out Magazine. Well, they have one in Lisbon and... It really is amazing because they not only do they have things like there's a restaurant called Zero Zero, which is pizza, and they also have Ground Burger, which is American-style hamburgers. Like, who wants that when you're there? <laughs> and Tartine. But they have, there's a restaurant, Miguel Castro y Silva, which is a chef that I had met up in Porto. I think he owned the Bull and Bear. It was exquisite. He's now there in the market. Enrique Sapasoa, he's like one of the biggest, hottest not newest, he's been around for quite a while, but one of the hottest, best chefs, he's also in there. He also owns a restaurant called Alma, A-L-M-A, mm. which is the finest meal I had the last trip. It's a very expensive, it's Michelin, but absolutely thought it was fantastic. And then there are other chefs that who were there also in this particular place. It's a great place to start because it's a launching pad for the cuisine. So you can say, oh, I like this or I like that. And then you could follow up on some of those chefs because they have other restaurants or that type of cuisine. Uh, right. So it's, it's fascinating. And plus they have other things too, not just food. They also have functions there. They have what's called Avida Portuguesa that has a souvenir shop and they're selling authentic old Portuguese products like the soaps. And so that's wonderful. So that's a place that I would start. Mm-hmm. Then some of the newer Newer places, and they're not brand new, but things really worth going to. For Leeds Culinary, we had a Portuguese writer, food writer, come up with the 15 best places to eat in Lisbon, and he just turned this in not too long ago. So some of his top choices is Prado, and mm-hmm. it's like the most exciting restaurant in Lisbon at the moment. Mm. So the chef is Antonio Galapitu, and he worked with the world-renowned chef Nuno Mendes up in London. And mm-hmm. he just actually, by the way, that's a place, I don't know if you went in London, Nuno Mendes has a place called Lisboeta 
It opened up in I March. I did not make it there. They said it's exquisite. People have been saying mm. it's wonderful. But anyway, this place focuses on local and seasonal produce, which was something that the Portuguese never really did before. And they're right. really focusing on that and... They have dishes such as cockles with spinach and coriander or mushroom ice cream, which sounds a little weird, but I wouldn't mind trying it. And mm -hmm. there's all the seafood. So Prado is the place to go for that. And then there's another one called Feitoria. The chef is Juan Rodriguez. I have such a hard time with these names. It's so uh, hard. It's hard. The one says it sounds like Russian. That's what I always say. Right. And I hear an accent and I'm like, wait, I think it's Spanish. No, it's Russian. It's Spanish. It's Russian. Oh, it's Portuguese. Portuguese, exactly. <laughs> but Feitoria is, has some of the best pork products. So there's the Alentejo breed, which is the pigs that have been raised in the Alentejo, but they sup the last, I don't know how many days, on acorns. Oh, so the meat yes. is beautifully dark, dark pink and even red, and it is so sweet. And so mm. he really specializes in a lot of that. And it's located right by the Tagus River. So it's right there on the river. It's expensive. It's not, mm -hmm. it's much more expensive than Pradu, but it's definitely worth checking out. And then on the less expensive end is Ishku, and it's a little bakery bistro. It's bringing back a lot of artisanal baking to Lisbon, which has been missing for a long time. The breads actually went, it, they nosedived, by the way, mm. for some reason. And now they're bringing back a lot of the wonderful artisanal breads back to Portugal, the bakers. And this guy, the chef, Paul Sebastian, was a computer engineer and he fell in love with baking. And he worked with all these extraordinary bakers. And he brought back a lot of that to Portugal. And so you get all kinds of wonderful baked goods. And so that's really something worth going to. And then as far as like some of the classics, the one that I will always go back to again and again is Bota Alta, which means high boot. And it's classic old school Portuguese. Mm. It's you get the bacalhá algomsa, which is salt cod with planks of potatoes and olives. And then there's also bacalhau barrage, which are very soft scrambled eggs with- Oh my God. I know, but then inside though, what they got is so wonderful. They have little matchstick potatoes that they hand fry. Mm -hmm. And it's just incredible. And you go there for that and many other dishes too. And that's the one that I go to for the <laughs> blue haired special at 10 o'clock at night. But that's one we always <laughs> right. go to. And then the other one that I love to go to, and it's a very old restaurant that's now in the timeout market, is Papa Sorda, P-A-P, -A, a Sorda. And the Sorda is a bread soup. But they have this mm. one that I get whenever I go. It's a seafood one. So imagine the stale bread that has been steeped in this incredibly rich seafood broth. And then in mm -hmm. it is shrimp and scallops and fish. And then they take an egg and they break it on top and they whip it into mm -hmm. the bread. Oh, oh my yeah. God, it's amazing. But some people God, don't so like that now. texture, but I think it's incredible. And I, I love to go there. So those are two of the mainstays that I always go to. And of course, we cannot miss, of course, you must go to the Confiteria de Belang, which is where they sell the pastage de nata, fresh out of the oven, amazing, totally amazing. You will love it. Okay, other dishes. So we talked about the mm -hmm. pastage. And let me just say it right. Pastage. Pastage de nata. Pastage de nata. There you go. 
Is that okay? That's right. very good. Pistachio. Okay. <laughs> some other some other dishes that because I'm I'm ragingly hungry right now and I, I want to get on a plane. <laughs> well, the great thing is you're in Boston and there's so many incredible restaurants up there, so you can we're lucky definitely enjoy. And I should say we are going to link to all of these places on the podcast website on Leeds Culinaria. Look for the podcast and all 15 restaurants that Ricardo, who is the Portuguese writer came up with. That's also yes. going to be on the website too. So we'll have all of that there and people can enjoy, find out what they want to do, create an itinerary. Other dishes that I would not miss, I love sebage, which are barnacles. And they're really long and you get the a long hook and you go in and you pull them out and it's mm. just tastes of the sea. It's just marvelous. I love that. The caldo verde, the soup, of course, definitely mm -hmm. get the piri piri chicken, don't miss out on. And don't miss out on the French fries or the potatoes. The, the potatoes are so earthy and yellow. It's not umami, but my God, it's just so earthy. And they make- So wait, this is a variety that's unique to Portugal? I don't know if it's unique to Portugal or if it's the terroir in Portugal with the ground and the dirt and the earth and how they come out. But ours pales by comparison. The closest would be a mm. Yukon gold of what they look like. And they're kind of right. a waxy potato, but my God, the flavor is so rich and so deep wow. and so incredible. And definitely the cheeses. And there's one cheese called queijo de serra, which is cheese of the mountains. And it's a sheep's milk cheese. And it's one of those very runny ones. So it's wrapped up in fabric. So it holds the wheel and you cut the top off and then you dip in and it's like, Ooh. it's a slurpy, slurpy cheese <laughs> and you cannot miss it. It's a wonderful cheese. And when I was visiting one of the wineries up in the Douro region, I was sitting there with the gentleman who owned it and we had dinner. And so we had some lovely Portuguese meal. And then he said, he brought out the cheese and we had some, he says, you ever had this dish done with pasta? I said, no, I said, I've never had cheese with pasta in Portugal with a Portuguese cheese. He said, wait a minute. So he had the cook come back with cooked spaghetti. Mm -hmm. Now there wasn't very much left to this ring, to the rind. She dumped it in, spun it around. Right. And we ate out of the rind of the cheese. Yes. And I'll tell you, because it's already such a, a wonderfully runny cheese. It was, oh my God. Wow. It was incredible. I've seen this done in Italy with Parmigiano. Yes, but Parmigiano is a hard cheese, right? So yes. it's the heat from this. This is already runny. So mm. your sauce is already made. It was exquisite. So those wow. are some of the things that I wouldn't miss. And I would see if you could actually go out on some of the boats. They have so many boats out there and so many river cruises. Definitely right. go up the river, the Douro River in the Douro region, which is where port wine comes from. And of course, try port Drink as much port yes. as you can. And Madeira, and right? And Madeira. And drink white port. People don't really know white port. No. But it's called Sirocco, like the winds, the dry winds. It's a drier uh -huh. aperitif that you have before you eat. It's wonderful. Ooh, it's a white, love it. okay. white port. So I've blown my budget already this summer mm. on my trip to England. Right. So where can I get some of these foods? Maybe through mail order. Mm -hmm. Very good. Spanish Table has some of these ingredients and some of the foods. Mm -hmm. Of course, Portugalia Marketplace has some of these foods that can be shipped out that you either get the ingredients when you make the dish or some of them mm -hmm. already frozen. So that's two places. And if you go to any of the major Portuguese centers in the country, which is basically the South Coast of New England, down in Florida and California, and also Newark, New Jersey, 
<laughs> a lot of the stores, a lot of the butcher shops, a lot of the bakeries will ship. And right. so you can get some of these things stateside very easy. Okay, David. So normally at the end of every episode, we do this thing called the lightning round where we throw questions mm-hmm. really yeah, aggressively at our, at our guests <laughs> very aggressively. and make them nervous. And I just want to do a sort of Portuguese-themed lightning round with you. Okay. So think back on your time living there. Mm-hmm. And visiting. Yeah, you're back on the balcony crying across the ocean to your partner, the one, <laughs> the one. lonely, tripping downstairs and ripping your pants. <laughs> yes. Okay, I've set the scene. <laughs> yeah, such, such a wonderful okay. scene. Okay. <laughs> what was your go-to meal to make when you were really tired and just needed to cook? Soft scrambled eggs. Okay. How about your favorite Portuguese food show or movie? Interesting. I go to Mystic Pizza. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Your most beaten up Portuguese cookbook, obviously, you wrote one. Right. Of course, there's mine, but there's another one called, I think it's called Traditional Portuguese Cooking. It's all in Portuguese, so I can't remember the full name. And it's by Maria Modestu, and that's the one that's the most beaten up. Okay. We usually ask people, what's your greatest faux pas in the kitchen? But here's what I want to ask. What was your greatest faux pas as sort of an an American tourist living in Portugal? Oh, that's a good one. I don't know which one to pick from. There were so many barging into kitchens of people who were entertaining me, which you just (laughs) simply don't do. That was one of the things that I did several times until I learned you simply don't do that. Uh, Asking people for recipes before they offer it to you. Interesting. Were people that you met kind of close to the vest with their recipes? Some of them were. And there was this incredible, (laughs) there was this incredible pear salad with almonds. And I remember thinking, wow, this is extraordinary. And I really was prying her, the hostess, for (laughs) a recipe. And she wasn't going to give it to me. And then someone leaned over and says, Jamie Oliver. Ah! <laughs> so I, I couldn't use that one. So some of them held it close to the chest. I think those are my biggest ones as far as uh, when yeah. I was there. Yeah. Okay. This has to be really off the top of your head. Yeah. Okay. Best thing you've ever eaten in Portugal? Pork and clams. Absolutely. 100%. Oh, that was easy for you. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. How about most underrated and most overrated foods okay. of Portugal? I think. They're desserts because they're very sweet. Underrated uh, or overrated? Both. I think the most underrated oh. is something called pandalo, which is sort of like a, it's a wonderful sponge cake that a lot of people don't really know or don't really like. And I think the most overrated for me is something called ovge molge, which means soft eggs. And it mm. really is kind of a thick, syrupy dish made with egg yolks. That doesn't sound... Is it like a zavallone or a... No, it's thicker than that. Oh, okay. And they thicker, even wow. do it where they put them in wafer-thin paper shapes, so like barrels or fish and stuff. To me, that's the most overrated. Mm. Mm. This has been really fun. I, uh, it has been. It makes me really miss Portugal. Yeah, but the armchair travel is really worth something. It is. Especially right now. And hopefully people use this as an opportunity to plan their next trip. Yeah. And I hope they use the one we did with you going to England and yeah. you know, to be able to make that, uh, kind of use that as a tour guide. I like to tell myself that the travel begins the moment 
you start to imagine your itinerary. Yeah. You may not even have committed. You may not have saved up the money. Yeah. But when you start Imagine the itinerary, you're transported, and that's what I hope this will be for people. Yeah, me too. So, David, thank you. Thank you for all this. I really, really enjoyed the virtual travel, and I will enjoy in the future the actual travel that we're going to do together. Talking with My Mouthful is produced by Overt Studios, and our producer is the spicy little sausage, Adam Claremont. You can reach Adam and Overt Studios at overtstudios.com. And remember to follow Talking With My Mouthful wherever you download your favorite podcasts. As always, if you like what you hear and want to support us, leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts. Ciao. Is that how you say goodbye in Portugal? Actually, some people say ciao. Yeah, the Italian ciao in Brazil or ciao ciao. Right. But my family always said até logo, which means until later or adeus. Mm, okay. Well, I'm just going to say bye, David. Bye. That's the one that I go to for the blue-haired special at 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> but it's... Uh, Sorry, it, could you say that again? No. <laughs> <laughs> Even my damn watch can't understand me when I'm talking Portuguese. I'm so embarrassed. <clears throat> <laughs> 